Hello, everybody. Hello. It's Ladies Talk Podcast. Yes. You guys, we are so excited to be back with you yes. for another week. Yes, we are. And if you listened to us last week, you know how excited we are about yes. this episode. We are so Yes. Y'all are in for a treat. So, I am not even going to beat around the bush. We got a lot of content to get into. So, today we have a special, special yes. guest on the air with us. He is uh, near and dear to all of our hearts. So, uh, you guys, uh, this is my brother, Jose. He is joining us all the way from Cali. Yes. Welcome, oh, Jose. Hey. hey, hey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Yeah. You guys just finished. Yeah, right. You just finished the tour, you said. And uh, how many schools? We did 17 schools in like the last three weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. That's yes. Yes. Yeah, that's incredible. Yes. Well, we have a lot of content to dive into. So um, we got some questions to ask you just to get the ball rolling. And then uh, we're excited. Okay. Let's start with, uh, I've got this question because when I was in California with you and just you and me, you challenged me, what is my purpose? And to find out what burdens my heart. That was one of the hardest questions anybody's ever asked me. But look what all I've done with it since then. So I have there's so much value in that question. So where did your thoughts and ideas for Rescue a Generation come from? Or where did the idea start? Who challenged you? Well, nobody ever challenges me because I'll fight them. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, seriously, I, I feel like it started because... I mean, I, obviously, you know, because you're my mom, but I had a lot of issues when I was a teenager and uh, needed a, a lot of support. Um, and I just think, you know, I feel like I could have avoided a lot of issues if certain people would have knew how to handle me. And I don't feel like they did. And so that's kind of how it all started for me. And then the more I grew, the more I saw what programs were already out there for students, uh, what things were already going on, whether in the church or not in the church. Um, I realized that there's a population of students that most programs and organizations were missing, and those students are the ones that are kind of fall into the cracks because of behavior or um, issues or race even sometimes, and so um, all of those reasons. And so for me, like that, what kind of gets me going is that there are kids that are falling through the cracks, and that if somebody don't reach them in time, uh, then they'll become another statistic, they'll become another person that we may see on the news or we hear another report about. Right. And and so I think every student has an opportunity to be better and to change. It just takes the right person coming alongside of them. And so uh, for me, uh, a bunch of people helped me. Nancy is one of those. Yeah. She mentored me uh, at a very early, early age. Uh, I think Brian Wilkes helped me a lot once I was in college and uh, asking me some really hard questions uh, that I didn't really want to answer. Uh, kind of like, like me and you had that conversation. Yes. Um, and then I've had pastors and leaders in my life that have just challenged me to grow, to get better. I don't think people grow without being challenged. And so uh, that's helped me tremendously. And so we try to do the same thing with students. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So I'm sorry. I kind of, I probably should have introduced this first, but you guys, Jose is the founder of RAG Ministries, Rescuing a Generation. And uh, it's it's a powerful nonprofit organization, um, and he impacts urban youth. So, yes. uh, real quick, Jose, will you just tell our listeners what it is that you do yes. um, with your organization? 
Yeah, our organization, the mission is to provide coaching, empowerment, and the gospel to this generation. Uh, we life coach students in, on school campuses who are struggling with behavioral issues, truancy issues. Um, we also see a lot of mental health issues, so the depression, anxiety, uh, things like that. And pretty much we work with students who would be considered at risk uh, for failure, right? So uh, schools have already labeled a lot of students at risk, and sometimes that label is based on their behavior. Other times it's based on their demographic, their upbringing, their, whether they're on free or reduced lunch, uh, what their parent situation is. And so uh, we come alongside those students for 10 weeks. Uh, we do some school assemblies and stuff, but that's really just to get our foot in the door and to hype kids up. The real work we do is in the 10-week program. And so we've been able to see some really cool changes, like uh, personal stories. We have a ton of those. A young, one young lady was suspended nine times in one semester before she got into our program. Uh, she got into our program about five years ago. Uh, she's never been suspended again. Wow. Uh, she's on track to graduating high school right. this year, uh, has a job, everything. And so we've seen those type of radical changes. And then we see the data changes. We see that, man, with a mentor or a life coach in a student's life, how big of a deal that is. So last year we saw a 24% decrease in chronic absenteeism from students that were in our program. So because they were in our program, they started to show up to school more. And so to us, that's a really big deal. And, you know, they say numbers don't lie. So the fact that you have data that backs up the work that you do really goes a long ways. That's great. Now, I just want to back up just a minute. I want to say as your mother, because I have a word to mothers, I apologize to you for not being there where you needed me to be there. Because I, I take my, I own that. But I thought I was doing what a mother was supposed to do. I didn't know. So, but I'm so proud that God was molding you and making you already way back then. But I want to say to mothers, don't ignore just because you think your kid's good. He does good in school when he's young. Don't ignore the warning signs. Don't ignore the things. Don't think my kid wouldn't do that. Because, yeah, that's what I thought. Because I was a working mom and he had me snowed. And if I would just, just checked. On one of the things he told me that I had an inkling in my stomach probably wasn't what he was doing. I would have been um, I would have been aware of so much that you were doing. So, uh, boy, but JoJo was her baby. You can't tell her nothing. <laughs> yeah, but I know now you are not out there, there still in church bed. No, yeah, you can't tell her nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, thank you for that. I mean, but a couple of things. I think, number one, uh, thank God for Jesus because he always redeems, right? Yes. Number two, um, I do feel like you played your part when I was younger, right? So there are some things that parents can do everything, but if there's still brokenness in a student, then they're going to act out sometimes. And so um, while on one hand, you know, you can look at the parent situations in a lot of cases and say, okay, well, I'm not really surprised that this is happening. I, I feel like you supported me really well. Um, you just might not might have missed some clues that I gave out along the way. Right. Um, but, I mean, other than that, I felt like you were super supportive. Thanks. I feel like you showed up to my games. You know, you did the stuff that I felt like, you know, students want a parent to do. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I was struggling just inside and yeah. started making some really bad decisions. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't fault you. And I don't fault Dad for that either. And I, I know I... Dad's a big part of my story just because yeah. of the upbringing, right? But I don't think it's Dad's fault that I did what I did yeah. at all. I, I just felt like I was, I was hurt, and I didn't know how to express it. So for me, I expressed my pain 
through acting out, right? Through trying to gangbang and steal cars and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, because I wanted somebody to notice me. Uh, just I wanted the wrong people to notice me, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't fault you or dad at all. And ultimately, it's created a really cool story that's been able to help change a lot of people's lives. Yeah. So, and that's uh, great. Well, yeah. Thank you for that. Now I want to ask you, following that, what would you like to say to the fathers of the youth you mentor, and even the mothers? And it can be two separate, or it can be all together. It doesn't matter. Yes, I think yeah, just one thing all together. Honestly, I think, man, the thing students need more than anything is presence over anything else. They need parents to be present yeah. to show up to be there, I'm convinced of this one thing. When you look at what's causing change in the lives of students, very rarely can you say, okay, it's a program, it's an organization. It's always people that come alongside and show up on a regular basis for students. So for me, uh, the presence of a parent is invaluable. This is why, you know, working dads, right, can be just as uh, you can see the same symptoms in a student as an absent dad. Yeah. Not because the dad isn't there. They're just working all the time. So there's a lack of presence in that kid's life. Mm -hmm. It's not gifts that's going to change kids' lives. It's not, uh, you know, dangling stuff over their head. If you get this, I'll give you this. It's really the presence of parents being fully supportive and speaking life to students that I think changes everything. Amen. Amen. That was good. Okay, ladies, y'all have more I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make her cry, okay? <laughs> Y'all almost got me, so. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, of course, my first number one question is, who is your favorite cousin? It has to be <laughs> Just don't tell my other cousin. You hear that, listeners? Everybody here. You hear cousin. You heard it first on Ladies Talk Podcast. Yes, yes. Okay, now that that's out the way, I'm done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, did you ever see yourself breaking the cycles? That is a great question. Uh, because to you, like, me and you are cousins, and I didn't have a dad that was there, so you are, like, um, uh, what I look like, not what I look for, but, like, a, a man, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're a man of God, you're out here saving lives, and you're not afraid to tell the world and ask the hard questions, and you're uh, faithful, like, uh, you stand up. So, like, breaking the cycles of what a man should be instead of what we grew up around. You know, I don't know that I, I saw myself breaking the cycle. In fact, that most of my life, I felt like I was going to be just another part of the cycle, right? Like, but I, I, I'll say this. I think when I changed, uh, when I got saved, really, because that's what ultimately I, I credit most of my change to, I, I felt like when somebody has to show other people that it could be done differently. I used to say this all the time. It was easier to be in a gang than it was to change yeah, because everybody was in a gang, right? I, it's easy to go along with everybody else. Right. But when you begin to change, you're going against the grain. Nobody's doing it the right way. You don't have a, a blueprint to follow like this. So there's none of that. So I think once I started going against the grain like that, I think the byproduct of that is, okay, now I'm about to break the cycle. Now I'm going to, you know, surpass, you know, how far people have gone before me. And, and I'm going to help to create another way of living for a lot of young people. But I don't think I ever set out like, oh, I'm going to break the cycle. 
I think it happened just through my own personal change. And then as students are seeing me now, like literally we did these assemblies and it's just amazing to see students approach me and say, hey, I'm really inspired by your story because they resonate so much with it. And so, you know, obviously that, that makes you feel really good. But I didn't start out like, well, I'm going to break the cycle. I was I was just a part of the cycle as anybody else. I think to me that's the hard part for me to, to fathom sometimes because I always ask this, the question like, why did I make it out the way I did? I got I got friends that didn't make it out. I have people around me that have been in and out of jail since we were teenagers, right? Like, and I was doing everything that they were doing. So I always wrestle with like, why me? All I could say is once I really changed, going against the grain just becomes a part of what it is and I think naturally you'll break cycles that way. Yes, that's good. That's so good. Uh, let's see. Where did your generation come from? Creating the the not the book, the group that you have, the nonprofit that you have. Yeah, good question. A couple of things. When I moved to California I was moving out as a full time missionary. And so originally I was trying to come up with a catchy name for a website that I could send people to to support the work I was doing, right? And, you know, and I had been signing off my emails, Rescuing a Generation, for about a year at that point. And I just thought, oh, Rescue a Generation, I can, that could be the website that I just create traffic for. I didn't think it was going to be an organization. I, didn't, I just thought, okay, that's a cool website that, I, that people can follow me on. And so I started just hashtagging Rescue a Generation and everything I would post, like all of it. And then eventually, once I got out here, I was trying to get on school campuses. I had a principal tell me no, because I was a pastor. She didn't want me on a campus. And I always said I've always been too much of a thug to take no for an answer. And so um, I, I went back and I said, I'm going to make it impossible for them to ever tell me no. And so ultimately, I, uh, I wrote a curriculum teaching success principles. I didn't put faith in there on purpose because I knew that that would limit the students that I could reach. So no faith in it, just success principles, stuff that I wish I would have known as a teenager. And then I found my foot in the door. I, I, one school opened up. They said, let me do it in the library. I, so I, there was like these 10, it wasn't even 10 lessons. It was 10 thoughts. It was like 10 conversations I could have. So we started doing these conversations and started seeing change. And then eventually I realized, oh, shoot, we're actually onto something here. And this could actually turn into something much bigger. And uh, now we're on 37 campuses. Wow, so, man. you know, yeah. one of the things that I I loved that you taught me while I was there, but you were talking about getting onto the school campuses. Wait, you learned something while you was here? <laughs> right? <laughs> really Sorry, dang it. I take it back. <laughs> um, but no, uh, in, in ministry, okay, and someone mentioned this to me in a conversation the other day about how sometimes people turn that Jesus switch on, you know, but. When you're trying to do ministry to the world, you can't always come to them, church, church, church. And your thought process of yes. partnering alongside of them and not just coming like head on through the front door like Jesus, 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 really create pave that way for them to, um, you know, like let you in the schools. Can you talk about that a little bit? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like how you wanted to come upside them and support and see how you could help them instead of just coming straight up with the gospel? Yeah, because I feel like, you know, at some level... Every church has an agenda to get people saved, right? I don't think it's about agenda because we want people to go to heaven, right? Like, that's that's a big part of the mission, the mandate. That's what we want to see happen. 
at the same time, if we're not careful, that agenda makes us limited in our impact with people. Because what if they don't get saved? Does that mean we don't love them anymore? Does that mean we're not in their life anymore, right? So I think uh, the language that I like to use now, I got it from my new church, uh, Fearless, in downtown L.A. They said, we want to love people until they ask why, right? Good. Not, not tell them why we're loving them and then love them, right? Because that's what most church agendas does. Yeah. It's like, hey, y'all, we're from the church. You know, we love you, but here's why we're giving you food today. Right? Like, no. Like, let's just love people until they ask us, why do you love us so well? Well, that's because Jesus has changed our life. So for us, at Rescue a Generation, I refuse to be limited in how we reach students. I didn't, I didn't want to just get kids saved because I saw a lot of kids in my ministry that got saved but never changed their lifestyle, yeah. never came out of poverty, right. never got any better in life. So for me, I said, you know what? What if I just help them get better in life and then hopefully earn the right to share the gospel with them later on and then they get saved. Now it's a double-edged sword because I got you better in life or I helped you to get better in life and then now you know who Jesus is at the same time. Mm -hmm. For me, that's the winning formula where we go wrong a lot. Uh, It's the same thing Jesus did. They were hungry. He said, let's feed you first. Let's let's make sure you eat something. We want to feed people. So that way, ultimately, we can earn the right to have a deeper conversation about faith later on. And if they get saved, then number one, hopefully they'll be better in life because they came in contact with us. And number two, now they'll know Jesus. As opposed to, you only know Jesus, but your lifestyle still is trash up until the day of Christ, right? And I don't think that's what the salvation was all about. If salvation was all about only getting people into heaven... As soon as we got saved, he would have zapped us. Yeah. Because there's nothing else for us on the earth. If it was just about a ticket to heaven, we would have died as soon as we got saved. No, it's about really bringing heaven to earth. How do we show people what heaven looks like here on earth? And that's why I think that's a part of why we do it the way we do it. Yes. That's so good. I love that. That's powerful. I'm glad you answered that because uh, I have people ask me all the time, how do you get into the schools if you're a pastor? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know, but whatever his curriculum is, it's working. That's how, now I know. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I mean, we get we get a lot of pushback, honestly. I, look, I know I know we make it look good on social media, but this this stuff is hard. Like we, so a, a week ago, here's a recent story. A week ago, we were scheduled to do an assembly on a school campus. Uh, we did two assemblies in that school district that same week and those high schools loved it those students loved it the principals administrators loved it so they're on board this other school heard we were doing an assembly so they went to go look at our website they saw that we were faith-based so a couple of teachers raised some concerns they were they were like okay no that's not okay are they trying to push an agenda whatever whatever so what ended up happening was the principal met with teachers and thought that it was only going to be like five teachers. I think he was doing his due diligence to just make sure he's answering questions. And like 20 teachers showed up because they were concerned about our program. And they were particularly concerned about, do we support LGBTQ plus communities? Are we inclusive and not exclusive? And so what I've heard about that meeting was it got really emotional because people felt like, because we're faith-based, we're coming in with a hate agenda, not a love agenda. And so um, they had to cancel the assembly because the principal said it would be irresponsible of me as a principal to just ignore my staff like that, which I fully agree. I would do the same thing if it was my staff, right? And so now I have to come in 
and answer questions about us being faith-based, right? But what they don't know is we're faith-based in our mission, our vision, our values. All of that is faith-based. At the same time, the work we do on campuses is not faith-based. Yeah, right. We're not in there, you know, waving a banner of Jesus Christ. or We're not coming in there trying to indoctrinate students with Christian, you know, stuff. We're not. We just want to help kids get better. Yeah. We want to love people so they ask us why. So you ask us why, we're going to tell you it's because of what Jesus has done in our life, yeah. right? <laughs> but if we just love you well, then at least you'll ask why eventually, right? Like, right. as opposed to us coming in, waving the banner first, yeah. and then we already lose so many students and teachers because they don't know how to work with faith communities. Because unfortunately... Faith communities are known more for what we hate than what we love, yeah. and it's done us a disservice, right? Ooh. And so, yeah, you know, we, we get the hard the hard part of that too. It, it sucks sometimes because Christians, unfortunately, have given us a bad name, right? And uh, I don't think it's the way Jesus did it, but it is the way that we do it sometimes. Right, I agree. Right, uh, man. That yes, yeah, okay. So your curriculum is mostly in California schools. Do you see it ever expanding outside of California to different? Or are they going to be able to buy your curriculum someday, or how yeah, spread? Yeah. Great question. So we're expanding. We see ourselves growing. We want to be in cities all over America. We are in the Arlington School District in the DFW area in Texas already. Um, so we're on two campuses out there right now. Uh, there's some conversations about Houston coming up soon. Um, so we may be in Houston this year. Uh, and then there's a couple other cities around that want our program. I will never sell my curriculum because if you put the curriculum in the hands of the wrong people, it wouldn't go over the same way. Ooh, For us, so faith-based faith people, are that's the secret ingredient, is that we love God and love people, right? Yeah. And so we want to make sure we vet the people well who are going to do our curriculum. Otherwise, it'll give us a bad name, yeah. and we don't want to do that. But yes, okay. we're expanding. Um, I could see us in the next three years being in at least five states Hopefully. easily. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. My last question, is that job still open? <laughs> <laughs> we are growing rapidly, so I think that there's always going to be openings. Yeah, don't. <laughs> okay. Love it. That's so good. Okay, so now that our listeners know a little bit more about Rescue Generation, we are so, so, so excited yes. because in eight days, you'll be doing your book launch yeah, for Rescue a Generation. So you have been signed by, is it Lifeway? Yes. Lifeway. And so they are promoting your book and you're doing your book launch in California. So one, man, congratulations. congratulations. Like, how phenomenal is that? That's so cool. Okay, so for our listeners... Uh, my brother, Jose, wrote a book. It was called Sons in a Fatherless Generation. Yeah. Go ahead and go get you a copy. Yeah. It was a powerful book. Uh, it was self-published, though, which is why you probably haven't heard of it because it's harder to market all by your lonesome. So, you know, but go get that book. But now he's been signed. And this book, to me, it's like your legacy book. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. like the meat and potatoes of, of who you are and why you do what you do, like all the nuggets. So can you just share yeah. what's going on with your book and, and anything that you want to share with our listeners about it? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Thanks for the congrats. Um, excited. September the 15th, so technically Thursday, oh. is when it comes out officially. We're just doing the launch on the 18th. Okay. So 
but Thursday, and it's available for pre-order right now. I, for me, I always say this. I think I'm proof that God still rescues people. Yes. Not just as a teenager, but as an adult. I found myself in a lot of situations because of my brokenness uh, that I needed God to rescue me in. And yes. so for for this particular book, and this book is, I think, helpful tools and tips on how to rescue a generation that it would be considered in the faith world a dying generation. Yeah. They say statistically 4% of this generation are Bible-believing Christians, right? So that's 96% of this generation do not know the Lord. And for me, I wanted to find out how do we go after the 96 that are not walking into churches, they're not coming to small groups, and honestly, it starts in the home, right? So I think if parents got a hold of this book, it would be super helpful for them uh, to simply be there, be more present, and give them tips and tools on how to work with some of you know, those knuckleheads like I was. Yeah, and so um, there's a part of that. But then the other side is people work with youth or or you just have a heart for youth. This would be a great resource uh, for you to just kind of dive into and to really connect with students in a real way. So I think it's going to be great. I'm super grateful for Lifeway, all that they've done. And uh, and we launch next Sunday officially. Uh, out here we'll do the book launch, but Thursday is when the book goes live. So go grab the book. We're waiting for our book. <laughs> yes, we pre-ordered. We're so excited. That's incredible. Sir, I'm going to need you to drive to Tulsa to sign my book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drive to Cali. <laughs> okay. Well, keep it around when I make the trip out there. Then I can make sure I sign it. We'll make sure to have them ready. Yes. Uh, man, this is incredible. Okay, so uh, let, me, let me ask you something. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing when you take your ministry and you do it outside of your home, how do you lead your ministry inside of your home? And I ask that because uh, there are so many people, and for some reason it's just in my head that conversation I had this week about the Jesus switch. You know, yeah. it's not about turning it on and off. It's about living that life consistently. Yes. So I just want to know from your perspective, how do you lead just as well inside of your home? Because you have a beautiful wife, Erica, yes. my sister-in-law. Yes. And, Shout out. Uh, you have her family. You have our family. You have a lot of people that, um, you know, that, that look up to you. Uh, and, you know, so how do you lead inside the home as well as you do outside the home? My answer might sound a little corny, but I think don't be fake. Yeah. I think where people go wrong is, you know, you put on the facade outside of the home, but you can't sustain that when you're in the home. Yeah. Right. If you want to know how great of a leader is, ask their wife mm-hmm. or ask their children, because they're going to see the brunt of who that person is yeah. behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to do the right thing when everybody's looking. But man, when you're by yourself, when when only the closest people around you are around, you know, are you able to do the right thing? And so I think, you know, living a life of integrity is really important. I'm not perfect at all, but I am who I am on the stage, off the stage, in public, in private. You know, I'm 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 absolutely who I put out there. Um, And so then I don't have to live a double standard life. I don't feel like I got to let my hair down because it's already down, you know, so it's like. Uh, you know, I just think living a life of integrity is, is how you lead inside the family as well as you can lead outside the family. In fact, I would say this, even most of our family growing up with our cousins and stuff like that, you know, I don't think a lot of them really knew the life I was living until I lived the life for about a good 10 years. Right. Like, it, it took a long time for them to realize that, okay, this probably isn't a facade. Right. This isn't a, a, a phase of his life. Like, this is really who he is and I've been able to have some really cool conversations 
with cousins, you know, about faith, about who I am, you know, in a real way. But because I didn't, I didn't fake the funk. It, I wasn't one way, one day, and then the next day I'm going back to how I used to be. No, this is really who I am, and I let God change me from the inside out. And uh, I think the, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It the, the results speak for themselves. Right, right. I love that. I know I can't, I don't remember the conversation, but I remember listening to you to talk to one of your cousins and they were asking you questions and you weren't trying to take charge of that situation. You were just trying to tell them just how it is, you know, not the way Jose sees it or the way they should see it, but just how it is in the world. You were just do, I was just amazed and blessed by that conversation and how you reacted with them when they questioned you about God and, and the things they questioned. It just really touched me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because, I mean, ultimately, you know, like you said, in our belief, we talk about all the time, love God, love people. Yes. And so that should definitely be, you know, in the home. Like, right. if you're not loving people in your home, then you got to question right. if you're loving That's God right. the way you're supposed to That's be loving right. him, yes. you know, because does it pour out of you the way that it should? So. Yeah. That's man, right. that's so powerful. Yeah. You know, it helps when you marry the right person who can love God more than you. Yeah. So that's just Absolutely. that that uh, that definitely keeps me grounded, keeps me on the right track. Yeah. Um, and so you know, she's she's been incredible in even moments when I want to quit, when when life is getting hard, and, and I'm like, man, I, is this worth it? Um, she's been a clutch reason of why I haven't thrown the towel in and why that's I can good. keep going, and so. Uh, it helps when you're around the right people, for sure. We are so thankful and blessed to have Erica as with you by yeah, your side. For real. We love that. So I don't know how much more time we got, but I just want to know, what words of wisdom would you like our listeners to know from you? If you had to share some wisdom, what would, other than the things you've already said, that just, wow, what would you share with them? Yeah, I think every person deserves a chance, right? I think you give up on people when God gives up on you. And because God don't give up on us, I don't think it's it's uh, right to now. Now here's the here's the default to that. You got to make sure you have boundaries and that you're safe and healthy, and you're not being abused or allowing abuse or tolerating abuse. Yeah. But at the same time, if there's students in your life, you know, who are acting up, and it's like, man, they're never getting it right. Like we don't give up on people, right? We love people through the distance, right? And we'll trust God with those results. And so I just think even the whole conversation today about my life, my story, the book, it's, man, somebody made a choice to not give up on me. Yes. And because yes. of that, my life began to change. And so I think if we could take that same heart, that same mentality um, into, man, every area of life, if we don't give up on people, I think we'll see some really cool results. Amen. Uh, Amen. I love it. Oh my gosh, I'm so freaking happy right now. Like, yes. I'm trying not to go off on a tangent because I have like, I'm like, Lord, we could tell stories about Jose and Lil Jojo all day, but I'm trying to keep the main thing the main thing. Yes, but, yeah. Because God is good. Yeah, and, there'll be another time for reminiscing. I know, right? Stories. But he's, he's just brought us so far and, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful uh, to you as my brother for really setting the pace that you've settled. Now I'll tell you guys something about my brother. He used to tell me all the time, you know, or if you, if anyone would listen, he would be like, no, you know, my sister's greater than me. Well, I always say he's greater than me. 
you know, but because we both believe in each other so much and we both know what each other carries. But it's so cool to see you doing what you're doing. Yes. And then now looking at my life and realizing, man, God really did set us apart. Mm -hmm. And not only did he set us apart, but he put what we needed inside of us to really, yes. I mean, make an impact on people's lives because that's what it's all about. You know, it doesn't matter if we're set apart, if we don't do anything with it, yeah. or if we spend our whole life trying to hide in the shadows so nobody notices that we're set apart, right? So I think it's so, for me, just as your sister, I'm so godly proud of you, and I'm yes. so happy that you got your crap together way before I got my crap together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's she was the first one on the church bus. It took pizza and girls to get you there. You know, <laughs> you know what? I knew, I knew. I am gonna reminisce just for two seconds because Jose did fall back in the world, and it was me way back then that came to me say, "Hey, pastor's looking for you. He wants you to meet with him." <laughs> You have no proof of that. <laughs> but anyways, but God has just used us yes. uh, to really fuel each other along the way. And I think it's super Amen. cool um, that that he has given us the wisdom to embrace these things that set us apart. And I say that I'm saying this so people can hear it, because I think sometimes it's easy to hide in the shadows and sometimes it's easy to take what you have. You could have easily went to California and not ran the race that you were supposed to yeah, run right, you right. know you could have easily went to california in the atmosphere that you were in and just been just mediocre and right there along with anyone else praising god and just living that but you really embraced your call which i think is so powerful because when god calls you if you'll embrace it i mean look at the doors that he's opened now in multiple schools you know a second book coming out signed by lifeway uh, just a powerful, powerful story that you have. So we're so incredibly proud of you, yes. truly. Yes. Here's I'm proud of y'all and the Ladies Talk podcast. I'm Thank so glad you. that y'all have been doing this. Yes. And you're consistent in it. And uh, I know there's listeners that are impacted by it. And so I'm really proud of y'all as well. Amen. Hey, here's a, um, wisdom, a miracle. <laughs> this is, um, Jose, it's just a miracle that you're where you're at today and then we're where we're at because... Our story on my side started with an alcoholic dad and an atheist mother. Yeah. And look what God did with that. Amen. Yeah. So praise God. No praise kidding. God. Look at you. And it's, it's <laughs> and we're going to close out. We're going to pray over our listeners here in just a minute. But uh, one of the things that you say all the time, and it's one of my favorite sayings, is that God will take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Yes. And sometimes we are those foolish things. Yes. <laughs> That's great. I know it's in the Bible. I'm just saying. Oh, I can't say it. Anyway, that's great. I love you. Brother and sister love. Oh. Praise God. We're going to pray. Uh, brother, would you be so kind to pray over our listeners and to close us out in prayer today? Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this podcast. Thank you for this moment, uh, Lord, this time that we're living in. Thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that none of what's happening in our earth and our society and our families all around us is by accident 
or has caught you by surprise. You know exactly what you're doing. Jeremiah 29 11 says, you know the plans that you have for us. You know, I know one of the virgins say that you have it all figured out. You know what you're doing. And so, Father, we just lean on that right now. Every listener right now, Lord, we lean into that you know what you're doing. You have it all figured out, Lord. We pray that you allow us to trust you more with the people closest to us. Uh, in every area of our lives, God, that we would surrender and submit to you, your perfect will, your perfect plan, your perfect agenda for us. Thank you for who you are, for what you've already done in our lives, God, and for what you're going to continue to do. I pray you bless every listener, Lord, that they, you would give them an abundance of peace, Father, and that they would find hope and joy in you and only you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much. We're so, so yes. grateful that you took time out of your crazy schedule. We know how busy you are. Thank you. To be with us. And you guys know this is Ladies Talk Podcast. Our motto is to be there through the good, encourage through the bad, and walk with you through all the ugly. Thank you guys for joining us. We will see you guys next week on Ladies Talk Podcast.